0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Not BND, brought to you by E.N. Live, part of the E.N. World, the leading tabletop news and reviews guide. And this week, I'm very excited to come up this book this week with two, not one, but two very enigmatic hosts who I'll ask to introduce themselves with. So, Dave, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yes, hello, I'm Dave Allen, and I am the uh, developer with Cubicle 7 on Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay.
0: Amazing. But not just Dave here today. No, no, no. we have another enigmatic guest. Padraig, uh, would you like to-
2: I, Yeah, I'm Padraig and I'm the producer on Warmer Fantasy Roleplay. Uh, also, obviously, with Cubicle 7.
0: Excellent stuff. So that's really handy because you'll probably know a lot about this book we're going to talk about then. So that's very lucky for us that you're here. Um, I've seen it okay. once or twice. Once or twice? That's good. Uh, Similar to me as well. I recently started a campaign so I was very excited to have this on So, um, because I'm still myself getting familiar with the rules and learning the system the settings. This is great. Um, If you are also new to the system and you have any questions, please pop it in the chat and ask us. We'll pop it up on the screen um, and we'll answer your questions as we go through. So don't be shy. Ask your questions away. Um, so before we get into talking about the game and system every week, I kind of get into, uh, kind of everyone's backgrounds with RPGs and how you got into the industry. Um, so Dave, what was your first ever tabletop RPG?
1: Well, first tabletop one, uh, I think it was just some sort of, uh, modules of Dungeons and Dragons that I played through Cub Scouts. But Perfect. when I was thinking about this question, I did remember that actually the first RPG I ever played, it was this sort of indie thing that me and my sister came up with on our own because on, uh, <gasps> oh, camping yeah. trips... Basically, we would sit in the car and uh, we'd pretend that it was some sort of fighter jet that we were using to stave off a Martian invasion. And I'd be like, activate the nuclear wind wipers. And then I'd press the wind wiper thing because I wouldn't let uh, her do anything really exciting. And, um,
0: <laughs> Classic sibling I'd, dynamic there.
1: <laughs> I'd describe us uh, routing off the Martians. This game came to an end when we let the handbrake off one time.
0: Yes. Okay. That's really fair. <laughs> Well, okay, so it sounds like you've been creating and making games uh, very early on, so it makes sense that you oh, yeah. transitioned into... Well, that was, um, it was
1: an early start, and yeah. it was, like, as indie <laughs> as anything, because me and my sister were the only people who knew about
0: it. Have you since published it, or...? No. No? Okay, well, we'll look forward to that upcoming Kickstarter perhaps coming out in
1: 2023. It'll be a um, great
0: success. Yeah, I'll, I'll back it, why not? Um, so, uh, Patrick, your first uh, RPG, I saw, was actually... Not this edition, obviously, but it was Warhammer Fantasy?
2: Yeah, it was Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay First Edition. Um, I went to a boarding school, and myself and some of my friends who wanted to do things that weren't sports, carved out a small <laughs> room in the back of an old um, theatre. That became, uh, but mm-hmm. so We got a small room to ourselves, and we we started playing um, tabletop war games first. And then somebody's older brother had had a copy of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay First mm-hmm. Edition that had fallen apart, been completely rebound into a ring binder, you know, with the cover sellotaped on the front and they brought it in and we're like, yeah. we should we should do this. And we had, a, we gave it a good quack at playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, from the, 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 we only had D6, which is very difficult to play a D100 game. We're only D6, but we yes. we managed in, in retrospect. <laughs> did you odds. just
0: roll a lot of D6 to make no, it? No, we rolled
2: up? two D6 for each one and we subtracted from it to get a, a number roughly between one and 10, <laughs> obviously heavily weighted around seven. Okay, and, yeah, right, um, okay yeah 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 and did that twice and it was oh, yeah challenging naturally but um i was the book was really intriguing because you get pulled in mm. all these different directions by the careers at the time and it was it was good so we, we we tried that a couple of times and i still remember trying to gm my first game not knowing i would have to gm forever from then on um, and right. GMing the first game which was going to be some skaven coming up from underneath a bar and mm. the, the minute I was like, you're in a bar, the bartender's there, and there's some noises from the basement, and one of my players said, I attacked the barman. And uh, yeah, okay. that was straight away, immediately. And I was it mode,
0: then.
2: Exactly, immediately. Yeah. Um, so you revealed then, the
1: existence of Skaven in your first game.
2: I see, I had Skaven models, and therefore... We were still in kind of tabletop war game mode, so I thought I had to have models for everything. I didn't know, um, you know that you could just say things, and people would listen to them and use their imagination um yeah but ever since then all of my bar workers have been intensely well armed uh
0: so just in case (laughs) yeah Yeah, why not like apparently apparently that's what's needed anyway um but but warhammer fantasy speaking of that you you mentioned some things that it sits in a massive kind of world uh, of warhammer fantasy it's not just the role-playing game there's loads of stuff going on there could you talk so if people aren't familiar with that kind of setting could you talk us through uh what's that what that world's like and kind of what we're stepping into in the role-playing game
1: yeah, well, it sort of um, first began in the early '80s as a sort of uh, tool for marketing Games Workshop's miniatures, and mm-hmm. at that time it was kind of a mixture of um, sort of tongue-in-cheek short stories based on um, either historical events or fantasy fiction mm-hmm. or um, classic literature at times, um, and uh, then in the late '80s they sort of decided to consolidate it and mm-hmm. make it a bit more take it a bit more seriously, and um, the uh, Warhammer fantasy roleplay game was first sort of released '86, 1986 and uh, followed shortly after by the Enemy Within campaign which probably did more than any other single um, release to define it and uh, I think it's the okay. sort of thing that everything else has been compared to ever since really because um, it was a sort of very
0: oh, yeah what like made it so antidote.
1: it was a bit like an antidote to um, D&D I think so how perfect than for
0: this very show Yes well,
1: <laughs> I think rather than um, sort of you're kind of uh, lured in with the same sort of promise of um, grand adventure that um, you'd expect from a D&D campaign, but it's very quickly subverted and uh, mm-hmm. turned into something a lot less glamorous and a lot more paranoid. I think it's uh, led to this like phrase of um, "Oh, you think you're getting into a Dungeons and Dragons game and then it turns out to be called Cthulhu.
0: That's quite good as well. It, it feels to me um, a lot darker. It feels a bit Pratchett-esque as well. That's how I kind of explained it to some people as well, a little bit, opposed to, like, it's not, if you're comparing it to, like, yeah. Lord of the Rings or something, it's more in that sort of vibe. And I think it, it's
1: contemporary with Pratchett, mm-hmm. the early releases, so I, I don't think it's aping Pratchett so much as maybe mm-hmm. tired of the same things and uh, making mm-hmm. some of the same observations about fantasy.
0: Yeah, perhaps. But I I do think it's like D&D, you very much feel like a shiny hero running in saving the world. And as I said beforehand, I'm in a campaign now and in the last fight, I threw a cup at someone and then hid under the table for the rest of the combat. And uh, is that reflective of the game (laughs) or is that just a me thing? Uh, It can be. No,
2: I I, I think it can be. It's one of the interesting things that sets it apart immediately from D&D to Mm -hmm. me is the career system where you can have careers that are strictly non-combat and you can always learn mm-hmm. to pick up a sword but starting out you could be a lawyer or a rat catcher or mm-hmm. any other number of things which aren't um your typical adventure and yeah. you know from from a game development point of view it always makes it difficult on us because we're trying to sometimes trying to balance a game we don't always sometimes we just accept things aren't balanced um mm-hmm. but you you've got a group that might be one or two yeah. combat people and then three mm-hmm. or four who can talk a good game or are good gamblers or are able to hide under the table and fling <laughs> cups occasionally.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: but the types of adventures that it really leans into support mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, yeah. You know, where being able to
1: sneak around
2: could be just as or more important than being able to swing a sword good.
1: That's Certainly I mean. when you're a starting character, you're very similar mm-hmm. in terms of power to the um, opponents you'll be set up against. Yeah. Yes. Um, so other than the, the fate points that you have, which are sort of... Lives basically, but um, mm-hmm. or re rolls in in the later editions. Um, you've actually got very similar stats, if not worse than an orc or a, a dwarf or something like that.
0: I certainly feel that way at the moment, which mm-hmm. is great. <laughs> but we do have uh, two people who are good at combat in our party. So luckily I hide under the table and they do a lot of the fighting stuff. So it covers it yeah. quite well. Um, I have got a little bit excited and jumped into the system in the game because I want to talk about it so much. But I was going to take us back a little bit and talk about how you ended up working working on the game. And instead of just being a fan and um, playing role-playing games, how did you end up working in the industry? So, So Dave, I'll start with you working as kind of a writer on the game. Uh-huh. How did you go from playing games and then be be making them?
1: <laughs> uh, I joined Games Workshop in two thousand and three as a web developer, and I did okay. do a bit of writing for mm-hmm. um, White Dwarf and uh, their websites in general. Yeah. <clears throat> and then um, around the same time as I joined, uh, a company called Hotshead had had the license for White and they mm-hmm. had um, that license come to an end. And um, Games Workshop had invented a little department called Black Industries, which in collaboration with Green Ronin, they produced the um, second edition of the game. Mm -hmm. And I became the web developer for um, the umbrella group that contained Black Industries. So I was sort of um, thinking of stuff to do to put on the website for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. And uh, that's when I uh, really got back into the game, having played it um, Mm -hmm. sort of when I was about 11 or 12 and ran uh, the enemy within a couple of times. But um, then I'd sort of mostly left it alone and uh, was playing stuff like Vampire instead. Um,
0: Nothing wrong with that.
1: Well, you say. But we.
0: uh... (laughs) they might be coming on the show.
1: (laughs) The second edition. and uh, so I, I ran some scenario contests and uh, helped um, promote it, the game at conventions and so on. Um, and then when the third edition occurred, which was after um, Green Roman, uh stopped uh, producing it and Fantasy Flight Games mm-hmm. took it over, uh, they wow. asked me to help write for that. And I've been involved in sort of writing and now um, development ever since, really.
0: Oh, they've not got rid of you yet. That's great. No, okay. no. Yeah. That is the first Just one to that's can't, the nothing experience.
1: else useful that I can contribute to society really.
0: <laughs> well, web development apparently. That's that's a new one. Oh for no, me. No, Internet,
1: no. It was like before Web Two I I can't do JavaScript or anything like that, so
0: I'm not even hundred percent sure what that is. I thought I thought yeah. back in the day on MySpace when I could add glitter like fonts, I thought I was a coder there and I was like yeah. I was
1: all like, Oh I can get flash animations done, that'll sort me out. I've exactly. made for the future now. No, 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 no. <laughs>
0: Um, um, Patrick, how did you, uh, so you're working as a, a producer on the line there, I'm guessing yeah. in a job interview you mentioned that this was my first ever role playing game. So uh, how did that How did that journey go in between? Well,
2: um, well, so after that, we played a little bit of that and we played a bit of um, 3.5, uh, Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons 3.5. And then we mostly played war games and moved on to do other things. We found computers and stuff. But when I went to um, uh, university, um, the, I joined uh, FanSci, which is the Fantasy and Science Fiction Society, which was mm-hmm. the stealth role-playing game society. That's what it actually was. And uh, I got heavily back into role-playing games. Um, we started writing for conventions. We started our own convention in Galway um, and had a great time. Uh, we played an awful lot of GURPS, um, which mm-hmm. be, is a generic universal role-playing game, but we, I think we used to joke that it was Galway University role-playing game because we played it That's a lot yes. um, and a lot of different settings and I played a ton of that and um, eventually I, I left university they dragged me out of there and mm-hmm. I got a job in the print industry but um, I always liked running games and writing games and I eventually realized that I was writing like 20 to 30,000 words for homebrew scenarios in different settings or coming up with my own system because I didn't like systems and yeah. I said you know what this audience of five people which is mostly just one friend who I write to because he <laughs> criticizes everything.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, Hey, Dave. It's another Dave. and um, <laughs>
0: uh,
2: But uh, I uh, published a, a small self-published thing um, for fifth edition, Yeah. which was like Ash, The Broken World, which is a, a very small thing that I was planning on doing, a um, expanding out a little bit, but life got in the way and I had kids and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, uh, once I got that settled, I applied for a job with Cubicle 7 and sort of, Use that as my CV a little bit. And mm. I was hugely chancing my arm. And uh, I, I hope, but it, Dom, Dom McDowell owns the company and interviewed me, maybe watching, and I don't if I ever said this, but I went in certain I wouldn't get the job. Oh, really? And therefore, yeah, therefore highly confident because I was just like, oh, this is great. I'm just going to see inside a role-playing game. Like I have project management or print experience, yeah. and maybe that will stand to me, but I didn't actually expect to get the job. Uh, and that is my go-to advice to anyone applying for a job. Assume you won't get it, and then just go in full confidence because you're just there to have a look around. And um, yeah. that was that was it. So uh, I did indeed bring up that I started with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay yeah, yeah. in the interview, and talked a bit more about other games that I liked and admired. Um, Noblest, I think, is a fantastic game. And mm-hmm. I, I do have an eye for print um, from long long experience in, in that industry mm-hmm. as well. Um, so yeah, that then landed in Cubicle 7, dove straight into Woofrup, started with the Enemy Within campaign, which we can talk yep. about a bit later. Um, sure and yeah haven't looked back since that was two and a half years ago um and dave at the time was was writing and kind of lead writing uh one book in particular i think Outdorf, among other things um and i just kept leading more and more on dave for stuff until it made more sense <laughs> to try and get him in the door
1: basically he <laughs> didn't know about martian killing car though no,
2: no, I, 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 I didn't know about that. I, that's a, a great safety warning that a game would have to yeah. come with, which is like make sure the handbrake is not part of the game.
0: Well, um, I think, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll, I would also leave you now.
2: Yeah, I'll also back that Kickstarter, chess once he gets it up.
0: All right, it so says two. Anyone else in the comments will do that, yeah, and then we can get a whole campaign going right here, right now. Uh, we've had someone else from galway as well. If you couldn't tell by the username Leprechaun as well, so. uh I guess it's okay because they're from ireland so <laughs>
2: yeah that...
0: oh yeah we have a third backer as well so there we go
2: brilliant <laughs> fantastic
0: okay so uh getting into the game uh, a little bit more then so we kind of talked a little bit more um a little bit about the setting and stuff uh there so if we talk a little bit about how because obviously you, you played first edition and this is fourth edition now so how have the editions kind of changed and evolved over time and um, what would if you're picking up for the first time on fourth edition what would you kind of see mechanically going on in the game? I asked about three um, questions there, I'm just <laughs> aware. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, uh,
1: first, second, and fourth edition are all based around um, percentiles. So it's mm-hmm. uh, 2D10 or D100. And um, just uh, compare against your stat. The most yeah, try to roll on that. Yes. Stat. yes um and I suppose if we get third edition out of the way uh third edition went in a completely different direction and it was sort okay. of more about um using uh dice pools of dice with symbols on to um work out whether you'd um, got a success or a failure or a success with mm-hmm. complications and then lots of um cards that counted down in order to uh, use abilities
0: sounds jazzy um,
1: so it was it was a it was a big departure mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think uh, quite a lot of people found it quite a lot to manage, with the components mm-hmm. it came in like a very big box with loads of cards and dice. Yeah. Um, but the other three editions were all based around Big Book and all based around the D100 percentile um, system. Um, I think first edition was uh, relatively simple, um, and uh, I think people found they um, topped out their characters quite quickly, and there weren't a lot okay. of um, skills to choose from. Though uh, it still like has its admirers. Mm -hmm. and um, second edition tried to make the careers a bit more balanced because first edition uh, even though some people quite like this about first edition but first edition had some careers like laborer that you just needed to buy a single stat in before you needed to look for a new career Mm -hmm. whereas others um, like Outlaw for example is quite famous for getting you lots of very desirable um, characteristic increases and skills Mm -hmm. from the get-go and so on so I think second edition tried to moderate that a bit and have all Mm -hmm. the careers give you the same amount in terms of skills and characteristic increases. And fourth edition has turned the career system into something more in that each career is now um, something that you can start off as a rat catcher, for example, and then become, uh, you know, work your way up to to exterminator, which is sort of like um, the chief rat catcher in a quite large city, for example. So... All of the careers are actual careers rather than just jobs um, that you can develop in and get much better at. Yeah, the idea being you could, like,
2: stay in a single career in a kind of a satisfactory way through quite quite a bit. So if you, you became enamoured of the idea of your character being a rat catcher, there was somewhere for them to go while still catching rats or, you know, running a gang of rat catchers or whatever.
0: Um, a gang of rat catchers, nice, yeah.
2: Yeah, we use a collective noun as a gang.
0: Yes. <laughs> no, wonderful. And with um so talking about careers as well, um, to get into how kind of the system works. So if you're mostly familiar with D and D, you'll be like, okay, so I've got my race and I've got my class and then my characters kind of that's the basis of it. So um could you talk us through Patrick how the character creation goes in um in warmer Fantasy and how that's different?
2: Yeah, well I mean in Warmer Fantasy you first of all the idea of choosing. You can choose and you choose a mm-hmm. species and then you would choose a, a career and the careers are broken up into like eight rough classes and in the core Mm -hmm. book you find eight classes with eight careers in each but the class system is mostly important at the beginning when you're kind of choosing what you're about Mm -hmm. they might say whether you're a burger which means you know these eight careers are involved with being around a town or you're a courtier or you know so but once you get into the career that's really very much who you are and what you do um and then in terms of species in the core book we've got um humans dwarfs um, high elves and wood elves, and halflings. Uh, and since mm-hmm. then, we've also added ogres and a few more flavors of human um, that you can be from different areas. And I think a couple of area, uh, flavors of wood elf as well. Um, that they And they basically inform kind of like what your starting skills can be. Your mm-hmm. species has quite a lot to do with what your starting attributes are. And elves, for example, are just blatantly generally better than humans <laughs> uh, at most things. Wow. Um, they suffer kind of social stigma and social penalties in most settings because the mm-hmm. empire where most games take place, elves raise eyebrows. You know, I, some people mm-hmm. might outright outright have a problem with them. Other ones might just be yeah. afraid of them or not want to deal yeah, with yeah. them. Sure. Um, so you've got these kind of social penalties to that. But generally, they're just, you know, tend to be more powerful in, in terms of pure power. But mm-hmm. the, what I think is beautiful about Wolf is that that kind of doesn't matter because... You know, you're a, a random group of roughly ragtag people from yes. often very different mm-hmm. levels and different strata of society. And that means you'll experience, inter, you know, experience events and interactions quite differently than everybody else. And that makes it interesting and compelling. And balance isn't as important and shouldn't always be. Um, though as a GM, yeah. you have to be careful not to kill everybody. But, yes. you know, I, I have had people email me saying that, like, we're, we're three halflings and an ogre. And the ogre is just like the outsourced violence that we need
0: it. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Just steal everything. Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas, you know, we we ride our badgers around. Or, you know, we, we do other halfling things. You know, we one of us runs a barge and we go up and down the barge. And mm-hmm. So, so it, I think it's great that way. But, um, yeah, character creation takes you through all that. And one of the options that we also give you is to randomize everything.
0: Yes. Um, yeah this is, is that's it, what i did in my campaign so yes it's good that's, really that's good yeah.
2: the right way i'm excluding <laughs> an option it really isn't it, 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 yeah the, the, that's
0: yeah.
2: part of the joy of it and and that yeah. also leads to things like elves aren't very common dwarves aren't very common it's mostly yes. humans in the empire
0: yes um, so how so how that that worked is to we, we rolled like a, a d100 and there's like is it, it was d100 isn't it i my mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm saying this wrong. Uh, And and then it it has a chart saying if you get between these numbers, you're you're this, that and the other and humans is the majority of people that will be but what I did like is you could pay to be something else. So if you rolled human and you did actually really want to play a dwarf or something, you can still change it by doing that. So that was a yeah, nice you, little effect.
2: Yeah, yeah. You get XP bonuses for not doing it, um, which is the same as paying to do it. Yeah. But,
0: um, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry.
2: Yeah, but yeah, no, no, it's it's the same. But um, yeah, you you, mm. you can you can, and then there's like a lesser penalty. You can roll three times and, and pick which one you want. But it it did mean that things like elven wizards were very rare to start with. Yeah. Um, and that was something that you would have to, if you were an elf, you would have to maybe go and try and learn to be a wizard in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also randomize some traits at the start, which I love. Um, mm-hmm. Humans, in particular, get three random talents. Yes. And talents can be things. Sometimes there's things like, you know, you're a, a carouser. You know, you're you're better mm-hmm. at drinking and having fun. But sometimes there's things like noble blood. And you just yeah. randomly have noble blood. And that's interesting to me because that's immediately like, how is that the case? And someone must know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a record somewhere. Do I know? And yeah. it, it, it can make very interesting characters. I know no. my favourite one is is read right because by default you're illiterate. Uh, yes, you
0: One person in our group can read now, and we're all very excited about it because at the beginning of the campaign, the first session, we got given like a piece of paper hand down. We're like, ah, oh, we we can't we can't read this. And one person in our group was like, I'm learning to read. I'll be able. To, we'll keep it and we'll find out. Uh, and and then they did, and we were able to. So uh, yes, so that I think the the not being able to read thing does. Lead into the setting of it being a very brutal and very harsh world as well.
1: You can find scribes in the better cities who will read for you for a couple <laughs> of shillings.
0: Money I'm, is hard
1: yeah. to tell you what's in the handout, but they'll do yeah. it.
0: You don't start off rich either, which I quite like as well, because there's real real aspirations. One of, Because um, you have aspirations as well. Just, to, so I'm jumping ahead again. Sorry, because I'm excited about the system. Uh, and one of uh, the players' uh, aspirations was to buy a shovel, one of their short-term goals. <laughs> uh, they've achieved it now. Because you don't start off with a lot of money. And like I say, it's, it's not like, um, which is really great, because it makes a lot of role-play moments. And it's like, why are you doing this and what your motivations are? Um, but I really like that about it. Um, but going back to other parts of character creation, because I interrupted you to talk about things, where have we got to?
2: Um, so, I mean, that's character creation. We've talked through a lot of it now. Um, mm-hmm. You you know what your career is going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll get some random talents and some talents that are specific, and they often define what it is to be a dwarf, like you're resistant to magic, or halflings, you are small Um uh, and then other ones you can you can uh, get randomly. Um, and then you also get so you have a number of skills that it says well you can spend five um exp- you can put five points into these and three points into these um mm-hmm. as, uh, basically as you read through now I'm g- garbling it um, <laughs> but uh, you, you get a small selection of skills relevant to your species and to your career that mm-hmm. you can advance straight away and then yeah. you can spend XP to advance those again. Um, So the way it works is every um, skill is tied to an attribute and it adds directly to it and you buy advances in that skill. So you might have um, Mm -hmm. an attribute, a weapon skill of 40, but you might have the um, skill of, say, melee basic um, with five advances, which would give you 45 overall when you pick up a a basic melee weapon like a sword. Um, And, you know, buying those and buying talents uh, Mm -hmm. is the main way that you advance your character. um, Once you have a gotten enough uh, advances of attributes and skills and talents from a career level, you Mm -hmm. can spend a little bit of XP to go up a career level. And um, that gets you a little bit more status in society, um, Mm -hmm. access to new, usually better talents, um, often new skills as well. Um, And, you know, you just increase basically that way, or you can segue out to a new career somewhere else. So like one in the same class, or you could go with, you know, GM uh, not GM permission, but the GM working with you to explain why your mm-hmm. rat catcher has become a uh, noble now. Um, it's because of the noble blood earlier, and he was discovered in the sewers by his, you know, great uh, aunt who recognized mm-hmm. him from a birthmark, and now he's a noble. Um, so, you know, that you can go quite interesting narrative places with it, I think.
1: It's um, a uh, very aspirational take on Warhammer Jess, whereas I'm more of the line that if you want to become a Mercer in um, Bogenhafen you're going to have a lot of trouble convincing the Guild to let you practice you
0: see. Oh yeah? A yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bit more brutal then. uh Well I have, yeah. I have hopes for my Herbalists that they'll advance in their career anyway So.
1: Oh yeah As long as you know your type from your Schlaf
0: Obviously Who wouldn't? Chortle. Um but we've kind of gone through the core book there, but um there's other books as well. So it's not just, you know, there's a whole um wider world of Well for Warhammer fantasy role play. and uh, we've had someone ask a question, I believe this is about an upcoming book here. So saying speaking of the flavours of human, will we see um humans outdorfter? Am I pronouncing that correct?
2: Outdorfer. For-
0: Outdoor for closed Um, so because it wasn't in the book there, they they mentioned. So they will they be coming up? Or
2: I I, I feel uh, we should publish you in Outdoor for at some point. But yeah. this is a this is a point myself and Dave have discussed because it was brought up after that
1: book was released, and I let Dave take it actually. Well, um, mm. yes, it was brought up after that book was released, and uh, mm. we're very sorry. Um, I think because the uh, default human in the rule book is a Reichlander. Um, I think we haven't really thought about the potential for different flavors of Altdorfer, though there certainly mm-hmm. is potential, and uh, we might realize it someday. But we're going somewhere else first, and that That's is nice. um, Nordland and Salsenmund, which is uh, not, um, it, well, it's an advanced stage of preparation at the moment, so it won't be too long.
0: before... Is that the artwork done. you sent me before?
1: It is, it is the city of the art. The screen for to see. So um, this book will contain uh different sorts of residents of the city and the surrounding region, mm-hmm. um including two uh clans of dwarf, um some notes on the local elf population and um a sort of uh city dweller um mm-hmm. from the region and um a more like provincial uh rural type
2: yeah okay. so we 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 did okay. hear those outdoor for lack of outdoor for criticisms and have taken it on board for the next city book, which is Salzmund And uh, as Dave says, we'll hopefully get around to Outdoor for uh, again
1: at some point so that you have that.
0: Apologies, I didn't realize I picked a controversial question. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> they're all going to
1: be controversial. But, yeah. The, the,
2: well, I'm, and the one hand wants to maintain the uh, mirage of we never make a mistake and everything has a secret meaning. And the other hand, it's quite transparent. Yeah, we probably should have had Outdoor for it there, um, but we will have it down the line.
0: Um, we also have uh, this beautiful artwork you shared with us from the upcoming book as well. Could you talk us through this a little bit? Because it looks like a lot is happening here and none of it—none yes. of these are good things.
1: This is the cover art to um, Winds of Magic, which is uh, drawn mm-hmm. by oh, it's um, one of our in-house artists, JG, who draw the city uh, scape for Salzermund. And mm-hmm. this is a guy um, with the very different name of Andreas von Kotter-Schomburg. And mm-hmm. uh, this is the cover of um, Winds of Magic, which is our next book. So out mm. uh, before Salterman, which is uh, a, a guide to playing a wizard.
0: Excellent stuff. When, when will that be coming out?
1: Very soon. Soon, soon, yeah. soon. Yeah.
0: Okay. okay. Well, if you keep an eye on cubicle7games.com, that is where you can have a look and find all these books on there. And if you're wanting to know what very soon means specifically, there's a social media channel there on Facebook and cubicle7. Um, so maybe there'll be pieces coming out on soon and that can happen. Um, so, as well as the core rule there's a lot of different session books and lots of different kind of expanding the game. Can you talk us through kind of some of those options and um, what those books that are already out? Because uh, we can look forward to these games, too, when you mentioned that coming, but what if, what if I want to play my game now, today?
2: Well, there's lots of things. Um, I think we talked yeah. about Aldorf and Dave, I, I, that's in many ways your city, if you want to talk mm-hmm. about it.
1: Um, yes, that came out last year and we're very, very Mm -hmm. proud of it. It's a very uh, big and exhaustive book on Mm -hmm. the, um, the three quarters and the several districts Mm -hmm. within them of the city. Uh, Mm -hmm. it does take in a lot of research. So, um, one of the uh, great things about Warhammer is that there's Mm -hmm. over 35 years of background material to dip into. And, um, we uh, had some, uh, the writing team on this one were really all very um, established fans and uh, really keen to get the best out of the old material as well as um, mm-hmm. have their own new ideas in. So um, fans of the old uh, Kim Newman and <clears throat> uh, Fell's books, these are the... Um, novels that came out in the late 80s uh,
0: that
1: uh, really go into a lot of um, very characterful detail about the city and really help bring it to life. Um, But we've got lots of new stuff in there as well. And there's all sorts of a very uh, packed celebratory calendar that you can enjoy, uh, three pages of day-to-day events that range from going to see an artillery um, display to uh, rat fighting in the Docklands,
0: Love uh, that rap fighting, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's uh, three different types of revolutionary yes. group described. Oh, wow. Um, two uh, rather uh, vicious dockside gangs, uh, as well as uh, the other side. So there's the palace and the upstairs-downstairs uh-huh. aspects of um, the uh, royal life. There's the uh, cathedral and the centre of the cult of Sigmar um, and <laughs> the city. And uh, the Magic District as well, the Hexabesiric, which mm-hmm. uh, is home to seven of the eight colleges of magic in the Empire. I, and so I suppose, lo- oh, sorry, Jessica. I will just
0: say, so it sounds like there's lots to wander around and explore in there, then. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's a big book full of stuff.
0: Excellent.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a great city book, and I I had like this was one of the first big tons of new writing that we'd done. Um, mm-hmm. that I was reviewing as a producer in the line, and it was just brilliant. It was just great. I was just reading through it. And um, one of the things that we really crammed in a lot of was um, adventure hooks, so like plot hooks, mm-hmm. um, tied yeah. to, I think, almost every location, and most NPCs um, have yeah. one or two suggestions for like, here's something weird that's going on in the back rooms in this bar, or this right. person has some unusual um, plans they're working on, or you know the palace intrigue is going in a certain direction. And every one of those is like a good short adventure that you could pick up as a GM, you know, literally flip to any page and just be like, this is what I want to, to do next. That's and it's cool. all, yeah, it's all broken up by district. So you can mm-hmm. just be like, what's going on here? This is where they are now. I'm gonna
1: take a look and see. And it's also good support for the Enemy Within campaign because in both mm-hmm. the early and later parts of the campaign, you'll be spending a fair bit of time in the city. And um, some of the uh, material that appeared in the last part of the Enemy Within, Empire and Ruins, mm-hmm is um based on uh, material that we came up for without Al- came up for for of and mm. uh, you can get a bit more context about that from the book.
0: Okay, great. So you can have your main campaign going that you you have in the campaign book, uh, but then if you're wanting to just do kind of more little side quests and throw in other little bits and pieces, this this kind of book kind of pulls pulls you in with those plot hooks.
1: Yeah. There, there's another book for Middenheim, which is, I think, mm-hmm. a rather more essential purchase for support of The Enemy Within.
0: Okay, yeah. Yes,
2: Will we like explain it. what The Enemy Within is?
0: Yes. Yes, we'll that that's let's, let's talk through yeah. that. Yeah, right. <laughs> sorry. No,
2: not at all. Um, so The the Enemy Within is a fairly classic campaign that mm-hmm. came out for first edition, um, more fantasy roleplay. And Cubicle 7 teamed up with um, Grain Davis, uh, who was one of the original authors on that um, to create what we would call the director's cut, basically, of the campaign. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a five-part campaign, starting with um, Enemy in Shadows and going all the way through to Empire in Flame Ruins, Empire mm-hmm. Ruins. Um, uh, um, and uh, we've basically kind of remastered a lot of the original ideas. Um, and parts four and five, The horn Rat and Empire in Ruins are the horn Rat is, is, was originally envisaged as part of the, the campaign, but never happened. Um, So this is the first time it's been released um, at all. And it's quite interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. And Empire in Ruins is a fairly substantial reimagining of the original ending um, to the campaign, I would say. So it feels quite new. um, Okay. Which, you know, those are parts of the campaign that um, sometimes come in for some criticism um, in previous Mm -hmm. editions. Uh, they, They possibly... Didn't live all the way up to the, the first three parts so our, our challenge was to try and do justice the to the, the, yeah to the first two parts of the enemy within which is there there really are amazing adventures yeah. um there's a really strong hook and uh you you i think they reflect how you should learn to run role-playing games as a gm which
0: oh, wow. is
2: my, i think that the first one has a really strong hook and a fairly direct path um through the adventure with a little bit of wandering around and you come back to it the second one um it's called Death on the Reich, and the Reich is a river in um in the, uh, the Empire. And you tend to go you can go up and down that more in any order, any direction you want.
0: Yeah. Um
2: so as a GM, you've kind of like let the party have free reign a little bit because now they have their own boat and they can go around and do some things. Yeah. Um and then part three is the um is uh, power behind the throne, uh, which is this mm-hmm. intense carnival. Um, in there's a carnival in a city called Mittenheim, and it's just fabulous. Um, there's tons of NPCs. They all have motivations. They're all interlocking and interweaving with each other. There's betrayal and intrigue and uh, terrible cults and all sorts of interesting stuff. And as a GM, it's like it's terrifying to run at first. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. There's so many NPCs, and they're all. I have a web of intrigue that I can't show on stream because it's full of spoilers.
0: But yeah, it's yeah, got, that's got that's every funny. PC
2: on it with a little portrait of them and like a little, oh, here they are, and that
1: points to, you know, their entry in the book. And... I believe the GM will have to master 21 individual NPCs who all have opinions on every other of the 21 individual well, other 20
0: NPCs. Oh, okay.
1: and, yeah. and that's and, uh, like, the uh, companion. when we came to design the companion, we thought the only thing would be to add even more. So Yeah, of because when we, when, yeah.
2: We, when we set out to create a five book um, campaign, where we also decided to do a uh, a, a companion for each one so there's also five companions great. yeah um and then on top of that you have Middenheim, City of the White Wolf which is a city book for Middenheim, where part three takes place and as Dave said it's it's though not strictly essential and neither are the companions you can't just play them with the five books I, I do think yeah. Middenheim
1: d- deserves expansion it, it, warrants, uh, it warrants yeah
0: what's what's why is it your favorite what's got why is it got you so enamored well, if, if, can um, you say it without spoilers, or the campaign sure, like... right. well, <laughs>
1: well, definitely... as a whole, or, or yeah. particular parts of it? Sorry, what was that? The campaign as a whole, or particular parts of it? Uh,
0: the the campaign as a whole. I'd say. What was your favourite part of
1: it? I, what I've always thought, and I've been practicing, is this a sort of bit of like soundbite copy type thing? Oh. <laughs> it's I reckon the enemy within is to um, standard role playing campaigns of the eighties. What Watchmen was to superhero comics in that it was sort of this, uh, you know, very um, thoughtful and intelligent uh, sort of deconstruction of the genre that, um, you know, you will see things that you recognise from other role-playing campaigns in The Enemy Within, but they'll Mm. be uh, in a way that's actually sort of more uh, grounded and convincing and um, touching and effective even than um, just uh, what you were used to up to that point. And I don't think it's been bettered
0: since. Well, there we go. I almost don't have anything to follow up on that because that's oh. like a really bold and confident statement, which. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. I've been practicing
1: um, it in the mirror. I would like
0: to <laughs> <say>. <laughs> Okay. Right on the back
1: of a beer mat and everything.
0: And the beer mat is in front of you now on the computer, so you can say it. <laughs> uh, so, it, as it's a five part, five book campaign, as you said, Yeah. that. That's a long campaign. So, how many sessions are we thinking? Like, I mean, obviously, it depends on whether or not your party goes off and makes friends and NPC and stays there for like three months, which sometimes happens. But, like, how long are we talking out to for, for each of these books? Would we expect them to be?
1: I think even if you force it through at a good pace and just use the five books without going on tangents and so on, you'd be there mm-hmm. for like a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a serious yeah. investment.
2: It depends how often you run um yeah. games yeah, sure. as well. You know, like some, some people can do weekly and yeah. you know, some of us can't anymore. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I do know that when we were playtesting um the final part, Empire and Runes, mm-hmm. I th- I think that we did thirteen sessions and we were like people trying to test ish, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. meant that we weren't always you know we were role playing it but not necessarily as a normal group would um, yeah. and yeah, you know yeah. some we of us the... know that the text the stuff in the text worked so we yeah were... so so if you were to do it a little bit Stop i, I mean yeah and i think that means that we yeah we cut the nonsense out and tried to get you know go through it and play it um yeah. so i i think a normal group um of people who do want to turn over every stone and don't know which bits are red herrings and are mm. fine with a bit of nonsense at the table as you should be yeah uh could could take longer with it so um yeah it's a big it's a big investment Um if you've played yeah. it before and wanted to start not at the beginning you could but the recommended experience just kick it off from
0: yeah.
2: uh, starting characters roll them up randomly and um you begin your adventure in a tower Amazing. and away you go into a five-part epic
1: campaign that i i do think is is excellent.
0: It, it sounds um, like as there's
1: enough... mentioned earlier, There's a couple of um sections of the campaign, Death on the Reich in particular, that they mm-hmm. can just it can just become this very, very sprawling, um self perpetuating thing because it's not on a, a timeline and it's not things are triggered when you go to certain places, but you can take um, a lot of you can go at your own pace with it. And many people okay. do. It's a bit infamous for um, getting people lost in it. It's, uh, mm.
0: Well, there are some
1: ideas within the companions and um, on um, various uh, social media sites and blogs and so on about yeah.
0: how. Yeah, I was just going to say because this sounds like a, a big epic thing, and if you're a GM, like that might be a bit intimidating. So I was going to ask about what sort of resources and, and guidance there is for GMs that are looking to approach running a, a big campaign like this in Warhammer.
1: Well, the companion books produced by Cubicle 7 would be my first recommendation for places to go. Yeah, because uh, the main reason that we came up with the companions was obviously because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's been so much analysis of The Enemy Within over the years and we wanted to include some of that in the books that came with the main campaign uh, in order to benefit from it as much as possible. Um, And even now, you sort of think that there's room for (laughs) Uh, a lot more so we do sometimes talk about um producing uh content on our blogs or pdfs Mm -hmm. um but there's so much stuff to get through that's uh
2: yeah, there's there's new material as well, and we, we did spend quite a lot of of effort and uh, over the last couple of years, and, and I say we lots of people were involved in that project, mm-hmm. um, as in all projects, um, but a lot, a lot of um, effort was put into it. So I think we are mostly going new places, um, yeah. in the future. Um, yeah, I know. But but I will say, if you do want to pick it up, the, the the books, um, and especially Graham's contributions to um all of it, but he reordered quite a bit of the the way information is presented to you in Power mm-hmm. Behind the Throne. And it's a lot more logical, I think now, and easier yeah. to process. And you get the bits of info you need when you need them. Yeah. Um. And it, there, it does come with some uh, little cards that you have that like summarize NPCs and what they're about.
0: Um, oh, nice. That'll as well,
2: cool. uh, your PDF cards, and they're they're mm-hmm. like in the back that you can. Um, oh, and of the collector's edition comes with like a little envelope of stuff that has them printed out there as well. So, um, yeah, they, they, it's very approachable. Don't be intimidated out of it. We we could talk for a while about it but we'll stop now <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay great um well obviously like i said there's a, there's a huge range there's lots of things going on but um i was going to come back to what's kind of been your favorite part of it to work on like you mentioned the, the, the that you have like, a favorite one of those or, or something like that favorite plot
1: hook
0: yeah one of the city books maybe is there just a little a little place where there's a little story going on that's a favorite you can share without obviously giving too much away if people are looking to play?
1: Well um, what we we do have Jess is uh, we have um, a couple of collections of short adventures that Mm -hmm. are called the Uberstrike adventures because they're set Mm -hmm. in and around the uh, city of yes.
0: which
1: is also um, a place and a situation that uh, is involved in the enemy within Mm-hmm. But um these are standalone adventures as well that with a yeah. bit of effort could be placed in any um, part of the empire and uh, a couple of them I'm particularly fond of um mm-hmm. I really like one I wrote called the man in a go time which is a bit of a uh, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: a bit of a tribute to um Lewis Carroll actually but oh, nice. but not many people have spotted all the references yet so I'd be interested to see if anyone uh, comes up with some more nice um, and we've, um and-
0: Oh, yeah, sorry. We had somebody saying that that content is absolutely superb from that because there's lots to work with for the GM, but lots of flexibility. So having some compliments for those books there. Uh Uh-huh.
1: And um, there's one called No Strings Attached by um, Clive Oldfield, which is a murder mystery, um, Mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, turns out to be some very unusual um, perpetrators. Gasp. And I also really like one by... um, uh, Friend... uh, Dura, who um, has someone called the Taken Hole Job, which, mm-hmm. um, no, it's called No Gold, it's called Grey Mountain Gold, because Dave, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's called the name. name <laughs> Hold Job, <give> <laughs> some- <laughs> it's on in it. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're all really, really good adventures, and mm-hmm. um, I'd, I'd really suggest, I'd really, really recommend them. So.
0: Yeah. Patrick, what would you say are your kind of favourites are?
2: Uh, well, I think the starter set's really good, um, mm-hmm. for, and it's a good jumping-on point, um, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I have here, um, which Excellent. is the Warford Starter Set, and that introduces mm-hmm. the town of Ubersreich, um, mm-hmm. as well as having, like, lots of fun starter set stuff, like pre-chain characters that kind of are baked into some of the plots and so on. Yeah. Um, but that's that sets up Ubersreich and the kind of political turmoil there and all the interesting stuff um, that leads into the Ubersreich adventure series, which takes place in and around there, and all, all the adventures that Dave have mentioned well, you could run them elsewhere, um, are Ubergreak Adventures. I think all of them, maybe not. Um, Grey Mountain Gold, maybe yes. Um, but they, they're all very good. I, some of my favorite content is probably in Altdorf. Um, there's a chapter uh, mm-hmm. on spies in the back um, that has lots Ooh. of nice like, intrigue and different spying groups. And I like the idea of there being um, elf spies in Altdorf with agendas, doing things, keeping an eye on the wizards the elves taught the humans to control magic control um, a couple of hundred <laughs> years ago. And I've been keeping tabs on them ever since. And that's um, intriguing to me. And I like that type of plot as well, where you kind of, and we give some advice on GMs how to take these different uh, kind of um, cloak and dagger style groups and interweave them together in different plots and different um, objectives they might have and how to make a campaign. I, I really like that bit because then it yeah. leads into you Hanging around the city and interacting with people and asking questions and getting in trouble. So I Definitely. like
0: that. Yeah, that sounds like my style of uh, story I'd like as well. So that sounds very interesting. Maybe I have to push my GM in that direction without the story for that. Um, we've had a question as well. So if you both could choose, not roll, they've specified choose uh, your starting career, what would you choose? So I guess this was if you were in the Warhammer universe and you were starting out, what career would you choose? It's
2: mm, the tough one. <laughs> Wizard. Yeah. Well, Dave, yeah. That's just no brainer, isn't it? I mean, if you
1: cast yeah, spells
2: mean. badly enough and fail hard enough and get enough corruption, yeah, it is a no brainer because you will blow your head
1: off um, with the wrong miscast. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> okay. yeah,
1: like, yeah, magic is always good. Uh, cool uh, like, respect it and take it carefully. Yeah. Stay away from glowing green rocks. You're
0: and don't fine. take the handbrake off, and it'll be fine. You no.
1: Know? Can yeah. all the small animals you want.
0: <laughs> there we I, go. I, wizard, I think, is the, the loud answer there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
1: I, uh,
2: yeah. No, I, I mean, for me, like it's almost a cliche to say rat catcher, but I do think
1: the rat catcher is quite emblematic of what... See, you're saying wizard would be a dangerous career, right? Have you read the disease section properly,
2: Patrick? The If you read through the trappings of a rat catcher, they start with a small but vicious dog. And that solves so many problems straight away. Could it doesn't you can just stop you
1: getting dog. infected wounds or itching pox. Mm. I, I, I quite like playing and a you physician. You probably get itching though. pox off the dog.
2: True. Um, I, 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 we I haven't quite come like playing... on with
1: the main yet, have we, actually? True.
2: In the same reason that herbalist is fun, I think playing a physician can be quite fun because there's a there's a yes. very detailed critical system. Also, really, system. you know. I, Yeah, well, you just stuff enough herbs into your mask and it's fine. Um, the, the, <laughs> a, a properly run medieval world is very similar to a post-apocalyptic world um, in that if you rock up yes. and you're a physician, you're immediately popular and can make money, basically, um, yeah. and have, have inroads with people. You know? and, and physicians are one of those groups that can transcend social class a little bit. Because if you're mm-hmm. a good physician, you could end up having to go and see a noble, you know, if if they hear about your reputation as a good mm-hmm. physician. So, I, I I think they're good. They, it opens it's, doors. they' that
1: money on popular charlatans.
2: Being able to sling a few leeches opens doors. There's my quote for the evening, um, but
0: yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Um, So we're coming up near to the top of the hour. Uh, So if you have any uh, questions, please pop them in the chat. Now is the time to ask any questions about this uh, gorgeous book here. Um, So pop them in the chat. Um, But I meanwhile, whilst you're putting your questions in there, I'm going to take us a little away from Warhammer and uh, talk about other tabletop RPGs as we always do at the end. Um, So what would your favorite or your recommendations of tabletop RPGs be that are not Warhammer? And not Dungeons and Dragons. So, Patrick, do you have any of those?
2: Oh, me first. Um, Yes. I think I mentioned GURPS already, and we played a lot of that. Um, It's flexible, if sometimes a bit too simulationist, but even though it's Mm -hmm. got like generic in the name, it's not generic. It has its own identity, and you can go and find like, you know, GURPS Ancient Greece or GURPS Ancient Rome and pick it up and have a really good time reading about quite a well researched take on that part of history. I think GURPS Transhuman Space is a, I don't know how forgotten it is, but it's a gem of a mm-hmm. book, um, dealing with a kind of a, it, it, it touched on some of the ideas that would come up in The Expanse before The Expanse happened. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was inspiration. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think Nobilis is brilliant, a game of playing minor deities and gods. Um, mm-hmm. and it's really, really interesting. Uh, the writer put a ton of effort into making the second edition of that book look amazing as well. It's like a coffee table book. Very hard mm-hmm. to get your hands on now. Um, those are both great great games that do very different things. And, I mean, back in the day, we played an awful lot of various types of World of Darkness. Um, and I quite yeah. liked Hunter. I think that's a really good way to experience the, the the World of Darkness generally, is to be a slightly, a human with just enough power to notice what's going on, but not quite enough to deal with it properly. And yes. you get to see wizards, and you get to see mages and, and vampires mm-hmm. as close to how a mortal would experience them, which is them killing you very quickly if you're not prepared. Um, <laughs> Lovely. So those, yeah, those are, those are good games. Play those games. Um, but play Warhammer first.
0: I uh, mean, obviously play Warhammer first. As we spent an hour talking about that and two minutes on these other ones. Uh, Dave, what about you? What would your... Uh, kind of, uh, well, I also like be? some
1: World of Darkness games. I'm particularly fond of Vampire and Changeling. Um, mm-hmm. I quite like Savage Worlds as a system, though I'm not mm-hmm. too bothered about what sort of background gets used with it. But uh, I do... There was a game where we were playing all like um, you know, old Conan um, Hyperborea type stuff with uh, mm-hmm. Savage Worlds, and it's very good. Um, I quite like Earthdawn. I quite like Shadowrun. Quite like Cyberpunk. But uh, yeah, I think Warhammer's is the one that's uh, occupying most of my uh, psyche. So.
0: Fair enough. Well, there's some great kind of recommendations going on there. Um, So if you do have any other questions uh, about Warhammer Fantasy or you want to learn more about it, cubicle7games.com is a really great place to go for more information. And also you can purchase the books there because the best way to support indie tabletop RPG creators is to buy their stuff. Uh, so that's what we recommend you do there um, also if you have any other questions I want to stay in touch uh, with what these two lovely guests are doing uh, you can check them out on social media uh, so it's Cubicle 7 Entertainment on Facebook and on Twitter it's Cubicle 7 um, so it popped up on the screen there so you can take a look there um, two more lovely guests I'd like to say thank you so much uh, for coming on and sharing all about the world of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay with us is there anything we haven't covered or anything you need to say before you leave this evening that we didn't uh, go through
2: uh, Do we touch on upcoming upcoming books um, briefly? I mean, up, briefly, oh, um, let's
0: Patrick let's talk about them of, again.
2: <laughs> Winds of Magic is is the next one out, and that's that's quite imminent in its release, um, and should be nice. And that
0: this cover here,
2: that is, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that's getting a nice collector's edition. That's similar, not exactly mm-hmm. identical, but very similar to the Imperial Zoo collector's edition, um, which was last. Kind of one that we actually it's before Open Arms, two books ago. But I, I love the Zoo; it's my favorite book we've done, and I've just seen printer stuff from it. It's amazing. Um, but anyway, Winds of Magic is next. Then after that, we um. will be doing Salzenmund, which is the next city book. Um, and then after that, the it, we'll have a couple of books coming. We'll have another Archives of the Empire, which is mm-hmm. like a collection of things, and we'll also have we have announced the big L,
1: haven't we, Dave? Well, think has missed out Sea of Claws, which is actually going to be oh, yeah. after um, Soulsbane. <laughs> so that's going to be that, our uh, our guide to sailing the um, several seas of the Warhammer world, uh, it's and, like
0: a piratey um, style theme. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, not necessarily pirates, because you, you, you could play any kind of naval group. Of but let's be honest.
0: But why would you? Like you were. Yeah. 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 Sure, you could be a lawful good kind of sailor, but you're going to be a pirate. I mean, it's fun.
1: Recently announced. To one of our uh, cubicle seventeen meetings, that I was terribly mm-hmm. excited to have been allowed to decide which uh, prevailing winds existed in the uh, Warhammer world, uh-huh. and uh, the uh, people working on the Soulbound RPG were um, quite bored with me, and oh. uh, you know, yeah. so, <laughs> so I came to that meeting with a diagram, Jess, of the prevailing yeah. winds. I was like, "Well, but, so but we're so allowed, okay. we're yeah. allowed yeah. to decide that there's Easterlies on the Sea of Claws." And they're like, "Dave, what are you doing with your life?" I was like, I don't know. But it was, um, I thought it was a good thing. I was well, really pleased with it.
0: Well, that's fantastic. And that's, as long as you're happy, Dave, I think that's, that's the main thing, isn't
1: it? I, I ought to reassure um, people watching, though, that there will be more than just Prevailing Winds in the book. So there oh, will be good. some very large sea creatures and some, uh, the cult of Manan, the uh, not-so-bad sea god, and uh, Stromfels, the not-so-good sea god, uh, and um, lots of other things besides the whole of the Sea of Claws uh, coastline described with many um, settlements in the Wasteland and the North of the Empire and the South of Norsica for you to visit.
0: Fantastic. And all of these, the kind of release dates, these will be coming out on social media, I'm assuming. So on those, if people want to keep up to date with when these uh, are available to get, those are the best places to go find them yet. Yeah? so fantastic yeah. to go on there and if you go to cubicle7games.com that's where you can have a look and purchase things on there um so i will say thank you very much again for coming on and sharing the warhammer with us um next week uh, we will be back uh, here on not D and we're talking blade runner rpg so the kickstarter's running now that's done uh, quite well and you may have heard about it uh so we'll be chatting blade runner and talking about that into the world also, tomorrow, um, if talking about pirates uh, had you in the mood for a piratey RPG, we have uh, the third episode of the Star Seaway coming out tomorrow here uh, on EM Publishing's Twitch channel, so you can check that out. And on Thursday, I will be back again. We're doing the EM Public. Pump- EN Publishing, name of the company, monthly live stream at 8 pm BST. So you can check out there. And you can get a summary of all and a schedule of all of our shows at enliverpg.com on the link up there if you want to check out what you're doing. Um, So with that, I will say thank you very much for coming along as a guest. Uh, Thank you very much for coming along to all of our audience. And that's goodbye from us. All right. Thanks very much.
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks,
1: everyone, for coming. Yeah. Bye bye. Uh,